Well, if you have your copy of your Bible with you, I want you to hold it up right now and repeat this affirmation with me. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now, and if you believe this word and you stand on this word and you live by this world, it will make all the difference in the world in your life. So if you have a copy of your word with you, turn with me this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 7, and this morning we're going to wrap up our series on Ecclesiastes. But before we do, I want to remind you where we have been. Ecclesiastes is one of three books that was written by Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David. He was the king of Israel for 40 years. He was given wisdom by God, and he was perhaps the wisest man who ever lived. But Solomon is a perfect example of, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish that really matters. You see, Solomon started well. God gave him everything he needed for success in life. And he began with his eyes on God and his heart in love with God. But later on in life, he turned from God and he began to follow the pagan false gods of the many wives that he took. And it led to ruin and pain in his life. Now, the first book that Solomon wrote was the book of Song of Solomon. It is a book that was written when he was probably very young. He was in love. And it's a book that... that gives us a description of romantic love and committed love. It's obvious that he wrote this book before he had thousands of women in his life. The book of Proverbs was written when Solomon was most likely younger, middle-aged. I imagine that he just started having children. And he wrote the book of Proverbs to give his son advice on how to live a wise life. If only Solomon would have listened to his own advice as he got older. And then the book of Ecclesiastes is written as Solomon is coming to the end of his life. He is old. He's most likely about to die. And he's looking back on his life telling us what he has learned and then how we should live. Now, in case you weren't here, as we began this series, Solomon began this book with these words. He said, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're never content. Everything going on under the sun is meaningless. It's, it's like chasing the wind. 
What Solomon is saying here is there is nothing in this world under the sun apart from God that will ever satisfy, that will ever give us meaning in life. You see, if you're living your life without God, you will never find what you're looking for. You are chasing after the wind. Then he proceeds in this book to tell us about his search. He sought meaning in wisdom. He sought meaning in pleasure. He sought meaning in riches and wealth. He sought meaning in work. He sought meaning in everything this world had to offer. But in the end, he said it's all meaningless. You see, no matter what we do, no matter how much we learn, no matter how much we possess, Solomon says we live and then we die. Life is meaningless. So now we come to the end of this book, and we're coming to the end of Solomon's life. And I believe that Solomon is giving us his final conclusion about life. And it's as if, as we read this section, that Solomon, for a moment, turns his heart and his mind back to God. And he realizes some things that he should have been doing all along. And as we read this section, I believe that Solomon gives us four things that we need to do. But if I were to give a title to this section, here's what I would call it. Advice from an old man who has been there and done it to young people who want to be there and do it. Advice from an old man who has been there, he's done it, to young people who want to be there and do it. You see, Solomon had been there. Solomon had done it. He had tried everything imaginable. Nothing was off limits to him. And yet, he said that everything in this world left him empty. Now, this is what I know. When we're young, we think we have our entire lives ahead of us. We can... We can Live our life the way we want to. We can do the things we want to do. We can have a good time. We can sow our wild oats. But then as we get older, we can settle down. We can have a family. We can serve the Lord and everything will be okay. But Solomon says from experience, that's not how it is. Solomon tells us that the decisions that we make now in our youth will affect Everything in our lives later on. And so he gives this advice. The first thing he tells us is that as we live our lives, we need to rejoice. We need to be glad. We need to enjoy our life. Listen to how he begins in verse 7. He said, life is sweet. How, how pleasant to see a new day dawning. Now, this verse is simply referring to waking up in the morning, living to see another day. He said, it's a good thing to wake up in the morning, to be able to sit up in bed, to put your feet on the floor, and be able to walk into the kitchen and get a cup of coffee. Can I get an amen? He's saying it's a good thing to wake up in the morning, because every day is a gift from God, and we need to thank God for each and every day. And then he says this. He says, when people live to be very old, let them rejoice 
in every day of their life. And there's that word, rejoice. Be glad. Be happy. If God blesses us with long life, we need to thank Him for each and every day because it is a gift. You see, Solomon is saying that you can wake up in the morning and you can be thankful and be happy in each and every day. I want you to listen. You determine whether you're going to wake up in the morning and see life as a blessing or life as a curse. It's up to you to determine how you're going to look at life. Now notice what he says next. He says, but let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is, is meaningless. So he's kind of going back here. He's taking his eyes off of God. And he says, even though you need to rejoice in every day, there's going to be a lot of dark days. And that's true, isn't it? Life is filled with good days, and life is filled with bad days. Life is filled with days where the sun is shining, and life is filled with days where the storms are brewing. And what we can do if we're not careful is when we look at the dark days of life, we can determine because of those dark days, everything is meaningless. Everything is empty. But I want to warn you, hear me, you're going to face dark days. You're going to have them. But even in the dark days, you can rejoice and you can be glad because you can know God is on his throne. He's in control and all things work together for good of those who love the Lord. You see, when you're going through the dark days of life, you don't have to be overcome with the darkness. You can live in the light of the sun, the S-O-N. And if you're living in the life, light of the sun, he will bring light to your life even in the midst of darkness. Now then Solomon turns to those who are young. He's told us if we are blessed to live a long life, we need to rejoice in each and every day. But then he turns to the young and he says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. Why? Because you're going to get older and you're going to realize you can't do all those things you used to do. I mean, if you try, you're going to end up in the hospital. Amen? I mean, if you try to do some of the things today, if you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s that you used to do when you were a teen or you were in your 20s, I mean, you're not going to be able to get up the next morning. The older we get and we look back at our life, we remember how wonderful it was to be young, to be healthy, to be able to do things that we can no longer do, to be able to remember things that we can no longer remember. And so Solomon is saying, when we're young, enjoy Every single minute of your life, take it all in because there is coming a day when you get older that you're not going to be able to do some of those things that you're able to do when you're younger. But as you're living your life, doing everything you want to do, Solomon says we need to remember something. He says, but remember 
that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Don't forget that. Solomon begins this section of scripture in chapter 11 with that reminder. We're going to give an account to God. And then he ends this section in chapter 12 reminding us that we will all give an account to God. God will judge even the secret things of our life. One day, someday, each and every one of us will stand before God and we will give an account of the decisions and choices we have made in life. You see, the choices that I make today not only affect my eternal destiny, they affect my effectiveness and my joy here on earth. And so don't think just because you've prayed a prayer or you've been saved by grace, you can live a careless life and do whatever you want to because you can't. We're going to all appear before God one day. You see what God is telling us is this. He wants us to enjoy life. He created this entire world for our enjoyment. That's what the Bible says. But the problem comes when we pursue that enjoyment in a way that is in opposition to the way God created us to live. You see, when we do certain things, we can experience momentary pleasure... But those things will never bring us joy when the dark days come. So Solomon says, rejoice as you grow old. Enjoy life as you're young. But always keep in mind, one day you're going to stand before God. So live a life of joy, happiness. The second thing that Solomon says is remove. And what he says here is that if we are going to enjoy life the way God intends, then there are some things that we need to remove from our life. Then in verse 10, I'm going to read this verse from the King James Version because I believe that, that the King James most accurately describes what God is intending to say here. Listen to what it says. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart, Put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Now that word remove, it means to, to set aside, to take off, to get rid of. And Solomon says there are some things that we need to get rid of in our life. And one of them, he says, is sorrow from our heart. Now sorrow from our heart is anxiety, it's, it's worry. In other words... What Solomon is saying here is we shouldn't let worry overwhelm us when we're young. Now, when I was young, if you would have told me don't worry, I would have said, why do I need to worry? I mean, I've got it made. I'm living in my parents' house. They're paying the bills. I go to school, and then I come home and I play until I'm ready to drop in bed and go to sleep. I mean, this is the life. I don't have work. I don't have responsibilities. I can just enjoy life. But it's different today. Young people growing up today are growing up in a different world than when I grew up. Did you know the leading cause of death between people 15 to 24 is suicide? Did you hear that? 
the leading cause of death among people 15 to 24 is suicide. Suicide. People are experiencing bullying and shaming like never before. People are trying to fit in and and as they try to fit in, they are being pressured with this whole sexual identity thing. And then our families are falling apart and we're being raised in, in broken homes. And on top of all that, we're trying to figure out whether this world is still going to be here when I become an adult. I mean, there are all kind of stressors in the life of young people today. And yet Solomon says, don't let sorrow, worry, overwhelm your heart. Jesus asked this question. He said, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is no. All your worries will never add a second, a moment, a week, or a year to your life. As a matter of fact, Science tells us that exactly the opposite is true. Worry, anxiety can take years off of your life. So let me give you some advice. Simple advice. This won't cost you a thing. Those things that you can change, don't worry about them. Change them. I mean, if there are stressors in your life that you have the the opportunity, you have the power, you have the ability to change. Don't live with those stressors. Change them. But those things that you can't change, trust God. Trust God. I learned a long time ago that if I'm going to live with peace and joy in my life, I've got to learn to let go and let God. That God can handle all my problems better than I can handle my problems. So why should I worry? Whatever I'm facing, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to cast my cares on Him because i got to tell you, He cares for me. And He cares for you. So don't let sorrow overwhelm your heart. And then He says, put away, remove evil from the flesh. Now, depending on what translation you have in front of you, it may say take pain from your body or keep your body healthy. And, and that makes a little bit of sense. That word evil can, can literally mean harm or affliction. And, and the truth of the matter is that as Solomon continues to speak in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 12, he's talking about growing old. And, and it's very possible that he could be saying, you need to remove those things from your life that are going to cause pain in your life later on. Because the truth of the matter is when we're young, we do stupid stuff that causes aches and pains later on. I mean, when I was young, i got to be honest with you, I thought I was invincible. I thought I could do anything. And I mean, I broke bones, I tore ligaments, I mean, I had all kind of accidents and injuries. And I was going, this is no big deal. I can come back. I'm going to be okay. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of pain today because of stupid things I did when I was young. If I would have been a little more cautious, 
a little more careful, I probably wouldn't be hurting physically like I am today. And so there is some wisdom to you and I being wise and removing those things that cause pain in our life. But the Hebrew word that the King James translated evil, the overwhelming majority of times in the Old Testament that we find that word is translated evil or wickedness. And I believe that what Solomon is telling us is that we need to move remove evil and wickedness from our flesh. You see, we have this idea that the things that are going to bring pleasure to our flesh that are sinful are worth it. They're not. Solomon is saying, you think you can sow your wild oats right now? You think you can do whatever you want to do, live however you want to live right now, and there won't be any consequences later on? He's saying, forget it. There's going to be consequences. That's why you need to remove the evil, the wickedness from your life while you are young. Listen to me, young people. I'm not Solomon. I haven't had all of his life experiences, but I've had some life experiences. And I have discovered that the things that we think will bring us pleasure that are sinful are not worth it. And they're not going to bring joy to your life later on. They're going to bring sorrow. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, youthful sins... Lay a foundation for aged sorrows. Can I get an amen? Youthful sins lay a foundation for aged sorrows. In other words, the sins that we commit while we are young bring sorrow to our life when we're old. And that takes us to the third thing that Solomon says, and that is remember in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember, Solomon is old. He's toward the end of his life. And he's pleading with young people, Remember your Creator while you're young. Remember God while you're young. Now, this word remember doesn't mean just, just mental remembrance. It means to honor, to pay attention to, to meditate, to think about constantly. What are you saying is, young people, set your mind on God while you are young. Because if you don't, you may not have a chance later on. Or you may not want to later on. Several years ago, an evangelist, and a number of years ago actually now, an evangelist did a survey. It wasn't a scientific survey. He was doing an evangelistic crusade. And he asked the people in the audience when they came to faith in Christ. And, and as he did that survey, he, he came to these conclusions. He said, if a person isn't saved by the time they're 21... There's only a 1 in 5,000 chance that they'll ever be saved. 
If they're not saved by the time they're 30, there's only a 1 in 15,000 chance that they're going to be saved. If they're not saved by the time they're 40, there's a 1 in 30,000 chance that they'll be saved. And if they're not saved by the time they're 50, there's a 1 in 150,000 chance that they'll be saved. Praise God, there's exceptions to the rule, right? Amen? (laughs) We're thankful for that. But here's the deal. The longer we wait, the harder our heart can get. And we end up thinking we don't need God. Now that wasn't a scientific survey, but the Barner Institute did a scientific survey. And they found out that only 23% of born-again Christians became Christians after they were 21. There's less than a 1 in 4 chance of you becoming a Christian after you're 21 years of age. Remember your creator while you're young. Now Solomon could have used a lot of words to describe God there. Remember your ruler, remember your sovereign, remember your savior. He could have used a lot of words. He used the word creator. And he's taking us back to the very beginning to remind us we're created in the image of likeness of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the one who created us has a plan and a purpose for our life. And he has given us directions to live that life. And if we live it the way the creator intends, we will find joy and happiness and we'll be able to rejoice. But if we don't, there'll be pain and there'll be suffering. Now in verses 2 through 7, Solomon gives us one of the most picturesque descriptions of aging that is found anywhere in literature. We're not going to spend a long time here, but I do want to read this and unpack it to you. Because it's kind of eye-opening. He says, remember him, your creator, before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim in your old eyes. And rain clouds continually darkening your sky. He's saying, you need to remember God before you get old and you begin to lose your eyesight. Before glaucoma sets in. And as we get old, we know we can't see as good as we used to see. He says, remember him, your creator, before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men begin to stoop. As we get older, we're just not as nimble on our feet as we once were. We're a little concerned about our steps when we weren't concerned about those things earlier on. The older we get, the more our shoulders begin to stoop and we lose our strength. He says, remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. We lose our teeth. We've all seen that. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Again, he talks about your eyesight. Remember him before the door to the life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Your hearing begins to fail, and you no longer have a purpose or reason to get up in the morning. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. We become more fearful. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in blossom, or can I say turns loose for some of you. 
and you drag along without any energy like a dying grasshopper. Can I get an amen? I mean, we get older and man alive, we go, where is my energy? Can I get a little bit more energy? And then listen to what he says. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. You say, what? Well, the caperberry was an aphrodisiac. It was like Viagra. What Solomon says is you need to remember God before Viagra won't even work anymore. He says, you need to remember God before, before you lose your eyesight, before you lose your hair, and before your teeth are falling out and your, your hair turns gray or it turns loose, before you begin to get feeble and you're afraid to walk, before you lose the joy of sex, before all of that, remember your creator. Remember him while you're young. And then he says, remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the earth will return to God who, and the spirit will return to the God who gave it. In other words, what he's saying is you need to remember God before you get old and you die. Because when you die, you're not going to have an opportunity anymore. So we rejoice. We enjoy life, whether we're young or old. But we remember we're going to give an account to God. Second, we remove. We refuse to live a life of worry. And we remove the evil from our life, the wickedness from our life. We remember our Creator while we're young. We set our mind, our focus, our attention on Him. And then the final thing he says is we revere. Look at verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12. He said, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. The today's English version says it this way. After all this, there is only one thing to say. Have reverence for God, obey his commands. Because this is all that we were created for. Fear God. Reverence God. I want you to listen. The number one problem of man today is we don't fear God. We've removed a fear of God even from the church. We have led people to believe that when the Bible speaks of fearing God, it just means to respect God. We give him a little respect. But that's not what this word means. Throughout Scripture, the word fear, when it's referring to God, means a holy terror of. I want you to listen to what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 8, verse 13. He says, make the Lord of heaven's army holy in your life. Let the Lord of hosts be holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. And then listen to what he says. He is the one who should make you tremble. The Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, He is the one you should fear. He should cause you to tremble. 
somehow, some way today, we have come to the conclusion that, that we can't love God and fear God at the same time. And yet, I'm here to tell you that that's what the Bible says that we are called to do. We are to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because He loved us first. But we are to fear Him because He is God Almighty. And the heavens... And the earth tremble in his presence. We don't take him for granted. We don't take him lightly. He's not our good buddy. He's Lord God Almighty. And when we truly know him, we will love him with every ounce of our being But we will also fear him, recognizing that one day we will give an account of our lives before him. And then Solomon says this. He says, if you fear him, you'll obey him. Did you hear me? If you fear him, you will obey him. Our churches today are filled with people who have prayed some little teary-eyed prayer. And we've been dunked in water thinking that somehow, some way, because we've done that, we can live however we want to live. And the problem is that if that's our attitude, we've never come into the presence of Almighty God and discovered who He is. And we don't need to recommit our life to Him. We need to give our life to Him. Surrender our all to Him. Let Him save us. Because to fear Him is to obey Him. So Solomon says, rejoice. If you live a long life, rejoice. If you're young, enjoy life. But remember, you're going to give an account to God. You're going to answer for even the secret things that you do. Remove. Remove worry from your heart. Don't let worry overwhelm you. Trust God. And remove wickedness. Because the wickedness of youth is going to create the sorrow of the aged. Remember. Remember your creator while you're young. Focus your attention on him. Don't let this world become the center of your attention. And if he becomes the center of your attention, you will fear him. And you'll obey him. (laughs) Because you love him. And he's God. So what about him? Have you given your life to him? I mean, really? If you're here, you've been saved. You want to live for him. You want to live for the world? You probably haven't been saved. It's that simple. Solomon said, here's the final conclusion. Fear God. Obey Him. This sums up everything we're to do. 
So if you're here and you haven't surrendered your life to Almighty God, I want to encourage you to quit rebelling. Humble yourself before God. Ask for His mercy. Receive His grace. Let Him bring you the joy and peace that can only come from discovering that the all-powerful God loves you as His very own child. Would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes with your head bowed with your eyes closed? If you're here and you say, Rocky, I've never really given my life to Jesus, then I encourage you right here, right now, pray this prayer to Him. Dear God, I humbly come to you today Acknowledging I am a sinner, a rebel. I've been living for me. Forgive me. God, I know you love me. You sent Jesus to die for my sins. Today, I'm trusting Jesus to save me. Come into my heart, Lord. Take control. From this moment on, I want to live for you. Thank you for hearing me, Lord. Thank you for saving me.